Heavenly Father, we ask that you would speak to us now. We pray that we would hear your voice, that we would heed your word, that we would follow you in the way of truth. And we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. I'm going to start this morning with a little quiz and uh, I want to see if you can guess the TV programme or the movies, there's both, uh, with this as the opening theme and hopefully the technology will work. Here we go. Anyone know it? Mission Impossible. Brilliant. Very good, Eric. Well done. Mission Impossible. The uh, TV programme was on from 1966 through to the 70s. And there were four films from 1996 starring Tom Cruise. Whenever that uh, distinctive music is playing, the spy listens in to a tape giving him directions for the mission impossible. Uh, and it always goes a little something like this. Your mission, if you choose to accept it, is... And then whatever they have to do. As Peter, the Apostle Peter continues in his letter... It might feel like a mission impossible for his readers. As we've seen so far as we've been working our way through to Peter, Peter is urging us to press on to grow in the knowledge and grace of our Lord Jesus. Having received from God our faith and everything we need for life and godliness and his precious and very great promises, We're urged to increase in those qualities we looked at the first week. The qualities which confirm that we're growing in grace, virtue and knowledge and self-control and steadfastness and godliness and brotherly affection and love. Now it can be hard enough to try to grow in these qualities. I wonder how you've been getting on over these past three weeks. But today's passage, and it might be good if you turn back in the service sheet to find it. Today's passage might make it seem like mission impossible. While affirming that God has given us the scriptures, which were written by men, carried along by the Holy Spirit, which point us to Jesus and confirm the promise of his return, Peter now gives us a stark warning. A warning that might discourage us, which makes it seem much harder for us to grow. And it's the warning of false teachers. This weekend, as we've mentioned already, the nation is celebrating the Queen's 90th birthday. And at her coronation, the Queen was given a copy of the Bible with these words ringing 
in her ears. We present you with this book, the most valuable thing that this world affords. Here is wisdom. This is the royal law. These are the lively oracles of God. All true. And Peter would affirm them. And yet he says that alongside the true prophets, there were also false prophets. And because it was like that in the Old Testament, he says it's going to be like that in the New Testament church as well. uh, In our church. He says, just as there will be false teachers among you, not maybe, there will And look at what they will do, verse 1. Who will secretly bring destructive heresies. Now, heresy isn't a word that we tend to hear or use very often. A heresy is a belief that strays from the truth. Something that is out of line, out of order. So if you have uh, true prophets and false prophets, you also have true teachers and false teachers. They might sound good. You might like what they say, but it's not true. It's not good. And in fact, it will lead to destruction. Now you might be thinking, this really is a mission impossible. How do I know if I'm listening to a true teacher Or a false teacher. But you'd almost think that Peter knew about the Mission Impossible theme tune. If you remember uh, when the spy listened to the tape, the very last thing they would hear would be this. This message will self-destruct in five seconds. There would be a bang. And the tape would be gone. No one else would be able to hear what the secret mission was. If we can change that phrase slightly. And we see what Peter is saying to us. The false teachers still in verse 1 are bringing upon themselves swift destruction. Or in other words, this messenger will self-destruct. That's a good reason to be careful, to be wary when you're listening to someone. Make sure you're not listening to a false teacher who is bringing destruction. So how do you know? How do you know if you're listening to a false teacher? Well, in verses 2 and 3, Peter gives us a flavour of their heresies. It's all about sensuality. Many will follow their sensuality. It's all about feelings, particularly in the realm of sexual pleasure. If it feels good, just do it. With whoever and whenever. God doesn't mind. It's also motivated by their greed. They'll say whatever it takes to please you, to exploit you, to take advantage of you. And then further down the passage, uh, in verse uh, 13 and onwards, uh, Peter shows us how to spot a false teacher. And that word spot 
is one to bear in mind. I'm sure you've seen the, 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 the adverts on TV for Clearasil or some of those things where, you know, uh, the girl or the boy has a hot date that evening and, you know, what are they going to do? A spot has suddenly appeared on their, their chin or their forehead and, and, and they're not going to be able to go out with the boy or girl of their dreams. Well, Peter says that false teachers here, at verse 13, they are blots and blemishes, reveling in their deceptions while they feast with you. They're out of place. There's something that you don't really want around. And then in a number of short, snappy sentences, Peter shows us what they're like. Reveling in the daytime. Eyes full of adultery. Insatiable for sin. They can never be satisfied. They can't get enough. They just want to sin and sin and sin. Enticing unsteady souls, bringing others in to to follow them, to do what they're doing. Hearts trained in greed, accursed because they have gone astray. They have wandered from the right path. They're like Balaam, who we find in Numbers 22 to 24 in the Old Testament, a, a prophet for her. He'll say anything, he'll curse anyone for a fee. You pay him, he'll curse your enemies. No problem. And yet, he was rebuked when his donkey spoke back to him. Now maybe you're wondering what the big deal is. Why can't we all just get along and listen to every sort of viewpoint? Why do we have to worry about true and false, right and wrong? It seems so narrow, so restrictive. I wonder could Don Carson, an American theologian, be right when he says that the only heresy left today is that there's such a thing as heresy. Or in other words, that the only thing that you cannot say The only wrong thing that you can possibly say is that other people are wrong. But we see the danger in verses 17 to 22, the last paragraph. They promise them freedom, but they themselves are slaves of corruption. The promise of the false teacher is that you can be free. That you can do what you like. No limits. No boundaries, but they're actually leading people into greater slavery. It's like a wasp calling to his mates that he has found an abundant supply of jam or sugar or coke, not realising that he's caught in the trap, that he'll never get out. The pictures that Paul, sorry, that, that Peter uses are the dog returning to its own vomit, which we'll not dwell on because you're about to have your Sunday lunch. Uh, but also the sow washing herself, becoming clean, and then rolling in the muck again. If you listen to the false teacher uh, and having experienced freedom, you'll actually become entangled all over again. You'll, you'll end up worse than you were before. No wonder that Peter warns us about them. 
these messengers will self-destruct and will take you with them if you follow them. So is it mission impossible to spot them and to avoid them? So far we've only looked at the warning, but there is some encouragement in this chapter as well. And it all begins in verse 3. Look at it with me. Peter says halfway through, Their condemnation from long ago is not idle, and their destruction is not asleep. How can we be sure? Well, remember the scriptures written by men moved by the Spirit. And Peter turns to the Old Testament to illustrate his point with those four big ifs at which Davy highlighted so well as he read the passage from verse 4 onwards. For if God did not spare angels when they sinned, but cast them into hell and committed them to claims of uh, to chains of gloomy darkness to be kept until the judgment. Did God do it? Yes. If he did not spare the ancient world but preserved Noah when he brought a flood upon the world of the ungodly, did God do that? Yes. If by turning the cities of Sodom and Gomorrah to ashes, he condemned them to extinction, making them an example of what is going to happen to the ungodly, did God do that? Yes. And if he rescued righteous Lot, did God do it? Yes. Oftentimes in sport, previous form is a good indicator of future success. And going into the Euro 2016 tournament, the team with the current longest unbeaten run is Northern Ireland. I'm hoping they can continue that unbeaten run this afternoon against Poland. But think about God's form In these verses. God's at previous performances. Every time in every instance. He was able to condemn the guilty. And rescue the righteous. There's the contrast between Noah. Who is a herald of righteousness. And the ungodly who perished. Who had heard his his message. But they perished. There's the same contrast between righteous lot and the sensual wicked of Sodom. All those if statements are true. And here's the point, verse 9. Then the Lord knows how to rescue the godly from trials and to keep the unrighteous under punishment until the day of judgment. God has kept the righteous in the past and he will keep doing it no matter how many false teachers come their way and God will bring the false teachers to the judgment they will indeed self-destruct both these truths hold together and it's vital that we remember them but as I was Preparing to preach this. 
I was wondering what we were meant to do with 2 Peter chapter 2. You might have noticed as we uh, heard it read earlier and as we have looked at it again that there are no commands in this whole chapter. Which is a little bit strange. You'd think if Peter was warning us about false teachers he would say don't listen to them. Or run away from them. But there are no commands. There are no instructions in this chapter. There's, there's nothing to do. There's a lot about what the false teachers are like. There's the promise of rescue. But there's nothing to do. Isn't that strange? And then it dawned on me. You see, we're so used to reading chapters in the Bible as if they're in separate boxes. In our Bibles, there might be big chapter numbers and a heading to mark off a new chapter. But those aren't part of the original text. And sometimes they can be distracting. Sometimes they can hide what the author is saying. So do you remember the contrast at the very start of the chapter? Look at verse 1. And there's a word there at the very start of verse 1. At the start of this chapter uh, that I was told in English class that you should never start a sentence with. But... So why is that there? Well this follows on from what Peter says about the scriptures. And if there was no division there, if there was no new chapter there, here is what it would say. For no prophecy was ever produced by the will of man, but men spoke from God as they were carried along by the Holy Spirit. But false prophets also arose among the people. Just as there will be false teachers among you. The application for this chapter is something that we've already heard in chapter 1. Something that we've already thought about. But it's now brought into sharper focus because we see the problem that it has to deal with. I wonder can you remember it from last time. Back in verse 19 in chapter 1, Peter says this, And we have something more sure, the prophetic word to which you will do well to pay attention. Peter urges us to pay attention to the prophetic word, to the authentic message. And as you listen to the true prophetic word, to the scriptures, then heed the warning about false teachers. Weigh carefully what teachers say. Check if it lines up with the Bible. And don't listen if it wanders from the path. We need to... Pay attention to the Bible so that we know when we hear false teaching. So that we can spot at those times when people are leading us astray. So pay attention to the Bible when you're in church. That's why I ask you to have the passage open in front of you. So that you can see if what I'm saying 
is what the Bible says. Pay attention to the Bible when you're in a Bible study. And someone gives a new way of looking at something. Pay attention to the Bible when you're channel hopping and come across the God channel. I think there's a high risk of false teachers there. Be aware that there will be false teachers. And don't follow them and their self-destructive ways. We have this precious promise. The Lord will rescue the godly. So pay attention to the scriptures. And don't be led astray. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we ask that you would give us your grace to hear and receive and know your word. We pray that you would help us to follow the way of truth. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.